Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Okay, so today is two days, we're two days removed from Thanksgiving, right? So the uh, turkey hangover should be, uh, well, still there, right? Because most of us ate leftovers yesterday. Um, And so we're gluttons at Thanksgiving a little bit, right? I mean, isn't that what it's all about? Eat as much pumpkin pie as you can shove down your throat. And uh, so it's a funny kind of a holiday because it's it's a, I, I heard a, podcast the other day from uh, someone who was saying it he thinks it's like the only holiday that everybody can kind of in america embrace because it's not religious uh, there's no real politics surrounding it it's just thanksgiving and i would tend to agree with that to some degree anyway i think thanksgiving is very cool and i love the concept of the thanksgiving holiday but oftentimes i think with all the marketing that goes around it with all the sales that start even on thanksgiving day now and then the next couple of days and everything else some things can get lost a little bit and it's important to remember that this day is about gratitude now vitality radio of course is always about health nutrition wellness alternative things ways to to keep away from surgeries and drugs and things like that. And one of those things is gratitude. You know, there's some great studies on how gratitude actually improves your health. Uh, I read a great article on uh, NBCNews.com just yesterday talking about this whole gratitude thing. And it was mostly uh, excerpts from uh, a a professor, Robert A. Emons. I've actually read quite a bit of his stuff, and he's done some excellent stuff. He's uh, a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, and uh, the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Positive Psychology, and just recently uh, wrote a book, Thanks, How the New Science of Gratitude Can Make You Happier. And I think most of us maybe inherently get that a little bit, that gratitude does provide happiness in our lives. But sometimes we still get kind of, you know, wallowed down in the our own self-pity and some of the stuff that's going on. Things can get stressful. Uh, this time of year is one of the most stressful times of year, they say, coming between Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, for people. And uh, as the days get colder and darker, we tend to deal a little bit more with depression this time of year and things like that. So how do we combat that through just simply being grateful? Well, here's what the studies say. They've actually found that gratitude promotes better sleep quality, shorter falling asleep latency, longer sleep duration, less need for sleep medicine, and less daytime dysfunction caused by lack of sleep. That's pretty cool, right? Because at Vitality Nutrition, I get people constantly coming in asking me about what they can do to sleep better. And there's so much stress in this world that I find that sleep is uh, one of the big things that people really struggle with due to the excessive stress that they uh, deal with on a regular basis. And we know now that positive thinking, gratitude, being thankful for the things we have and focusing more on the things we have than the things we do not have, has uh, 
have been proven to actually really assist in the stress response, to relax our system, to balance our adrenal glands, to relax the hormone uh, release that happens when we're under stress just by simply focusing a little bit more on the things that we're grateful for. But sleep deprivation is this huge problem now. Partly it's because we don't give ourselves enough time to sleep. That's my biggest problem. I talk about it on the radio from time to time, that I don't give myself enough time to just get the sleep that I need. So that's a big deal. But also the quality of the sleep that we have. And that's what I found was very interesting. I'm going to repeat what this said because it's a big deal. They said that being grateful, just simple gratitude promotes better sleep quality, shorter falling asleep latency, meaning you fall asleep quicker, longer sleep duration, less need for sleep meds, which is awesome, and less daytime dysfunction caused by a lack of sleep. So how do they know that? Well, they've done a variety of different studies, and some of the most popular ones have been people just writing in a gratitude journal. Every day, getting up and writing three things that they're grateful for uh, before they uh, go to work or get on with their day. And at night, three more things that they're grateful for at the end of the night. It's not that hard, right? It's probably something that takes... I don't know, two or three minutes uh, of your day, but can really reward you and pay off in big ways by simply recognizing and bringing in those good vibes that come with recognizing that you are truly blessed. Because we all have different levels of things to be grateful for, right? Uh, towards the end of this, I'm going to talk about something that is uh, quite dear to my heart right now that has to do with, with gratitude and something I'm very grateful for this particular Thanksgiving but on the way here to Vitality Radio, I passed by Pioneer Park. Now, for about four or five months out of the year, Pioneer Park is cleaned up, and uh, there are vendors there on Saturday mornings doing a farmer's market. And it's lively, and it's exciting, and it's engaging, and there's all kinds of cool stuff and delicious food and uh, crafts and all this kind of stuff that you can go check out. But then it gets cold, and there's no longer the farmer's market, there's just a whole lot of homeless hanging out at Pioneer Park. And the level of gratitude uh, that they uh, may have or not have in their situation certainly could be different from your situation and is absolutely different from mine. But what I find to be interesting is that I believe, and most experts in the field of psychology believe, that there is always something to be grateful for. And when we look at, have you heard that uh, term, first world problems? You know, we live in Utah, most of us. A few of you in Colorado and Wyoming and Idaho might hear this. But for the most part, we're here in Utah, in the United States of America, still one of the more free countries. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little later, too, uh, in this uh, world. And we have so much. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're, these, we're consumers, right? We're a consumer nation now because Black Friday, what's that about? It's about getting the next best thing, uh, whether it's... Uh, you know, the, the latest Xbox or the bigger, uh, better OLED TV, or maybe it's the new iPhone that you're salivating over or whatever it might be, right? And these are all things that are, man, they're awesome. They're great to have. I got my iPhone here in my left hand. I got my MacBook in my, right in front of me. I'm reading my notes off of, and I've got all this technology surrounding me that helps me get this, this radio show out to you. Lots to be grateful for. All things that aren't necessary, that aren't even necessary for happiness, right? There are people with so much less than you have right now that are 
just fine. Very happy. In fact, they've done studies showing that many people in third world nations report a higher level of happiness, less depression and anxiety than people that are dealing with all this awesome stuff we get. Right? I've talked about how we get depression in America when our favorite Netflix show just ended. Right? The 20th episode ended and it's like, now what the heck am I going to do? I mean, come on. Let's talk about gratitude here and think about it. When we think about Thanksgiving, let's recognize just how blessed we are and use that for the good of our health and our well-being and the health of the people who love us, the people who we love, because it's a big, big deal. Uh, one of the uh, things that I want to talk about here is, is uh, a couple of ideas. Now, I talked about the gratitude journal. Two or three things every morning, two or three three things every night that you write in a little journal or if you've got a notepad of some sort on your phone, you can jot them down in there. I personally actually like that option because, frankly, I lose anything that's paper, it seems, but uh, my phone uh, is generally by my side, so I'll jot it down in my phone. You can go back and refer to it. Uh, one thing that can be really, really rewarding, I've actually experienced this, is you can actually write something, let's say you're trying to um, enhance a relationship, maybe it's a marital relationship or a relationship with one of your, your children or uh, with, a, with a parent or something like that. You can write things specific to that individual, why you're grateful for them, and uh, actually give them a gift uh, after 30 days or 60 days, you know, leading up maybe to their birthday or to Thanksgiving or Christmas that has a list of all of those things that make you grateful for that person. It can bring you closer together because they recognize how grateful you are and you recognize how amazing they are. So there's real value in these gratitude journals. How about considering your words, though? Something even more simple than that. He says, uh, Emens, the author, says, it's uh, the simplest, most profound thing is the mindset of gratitude. Uh, grateful people use words like gifts and givers, blessings, blessed, fortune, fortunate, and abundance. Less grateful people are preoccupied with burdens, curses, deprivations, entitlements, and complaints. And the words reflect this negative focus. Try to spin your thoughts more positively. For example, instead of saying, I deserve this or that, say, I get to do this or that. Be grateful for the opportunity that you have as opposed to being entitled to it. Uh, if you're a parent of any age, whether your kids have uh, grown up and are parents of, of their own now, or if they, if you've got kids still hanging around your house, you'll know that part of childhood is this feeling of entitlement in so many things. And uh, one of the things that we need to learn as we become adults is that we're not entitled to any of this, that any one of us could end up in a much more dire situation than we are, and that we ought to be ought to recognize the things that we have, the things that we should be grateful for, and that those things will uh, then help us to feel better about ourselves, better about our life situation, and uh, we will be better people because of it. And then thankful. You know, gratitude, thankful, thanksgiving, they all kind of mean the same thing. But what about saying thank you? Uh, two incredibly powerful words that can go an awfully long way. Take a second to acknowledge that the people you love um, love you. 
right? The people that you have close in your life. I have a relatively small extended family, a brother and a sister, and my mom. Um, I've got a couple of in-laws. I never, I don't see a lot of my cousins, aunts and uncles, things like that. And then there are other families that get together and it's, you know, it's 90 people and it's different for all of us. But regardless of that, be grateful for the people in your life that love you and care about you, uh, that would miss you if you weren't there. Uh, that's, uh, one of those things that we have to recognize and say thank you. Let them know how you feel. That's a big deal. And also just the simple thank yous. You know, the, the wave. Uh, when you're uh, driving and somebody lets you into, uh, into traffic, uh, or into their lane, you know, just a nice friendly wave and a smile can go a long way. So many simple things that can show that we are grateful that will, I'm telling you, I really, really believe, uh, pay off big dividends in the future. So keep in mind this gratitude thing and think of it maybe in a slightly different light than maybe what you have before in that it will improve your health and your well-being. So let's be grateful throughout this holiday. Season because again, we're going to be consuming a lot here in America. We're going to be buying things that we don't need. We're going to be buying gifts. What's that saying? Uh, what do you buy for the person who has everything? And yet we're going to buy them something anyway, right? So we have these things that we do in America, and we oftentimes complain about what's going on in politics, and there's certainly plenty to complain about there. We complain about not having enough money. We complain about uh, having to wait six months for our next uh, binge watch to come up on Netflix. Whatever it is that we're complaining about, let's uh, throw those things in the back seat and recognize just how grateful we should be. Okay, I'm going to cut to a quick break. When I come back, don't worry. I haven't forgot. There will be a morning rant. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is we don't just sell supplements. We consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call, and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Okay, so I was talking about gratitude and Thanksgiving, and I missed a little piece, so I'm going to finish that up, and then I'm going to get into the rant. 
Today, I forgot to mention what I'm grateful for. I'm thankful for my healthy children. I have these beautiful children. They range anywhere from 5 years old to 20 years old, and they are truly amazing all in their own right. Um, the What they provide for me, I can't even describe. If you have children of your own, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. And right now, my heart is full because... My little friend, Elora May, passed away yesterday, a beautiful little 18-month-old uh, that is a child of uh, some dear friends and, and customers of mine at Vitality. And I've been reading posts that they've been posting on Facebook and keeping in touch with them uh, via text message and occasional visits there at the store. And um, I got to be closer than I thought to this sweet little girl when she came in to see me a few times. And uh, I am so amazed at the wonderful attitude that her parents have uh, chosen to take with this horrific event that I can't even imagine and the beauty that they're spreading around in this clearly dark time in their lives. It uh, has reminded me of what there is in my life that I have to be grateful for and of all of those things. I can't think of anything more than my wonderful, healthy children. So uh, if any of you are listening out there, which isn't always the case, I love you and I appreciate uh, what you do for me. Okay. Enough with the sappy stuff. Let's move on. It's time to get mad at the Attorney General of Indiana. It's time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay, so Indiana. I go there every year for a trade show, so I know it relatively well. It's the Hoosier state, right? Uh, middle of America should be... Should be a pretty awesome place, right? Because it's it's right in the heartland. That's where everything happens in this country. It's where all the good people are. That's what we hear, right? People on the West Coast and East Coast, a little more jaded. Uh, the people in the middle, that's the heartland. Well, in the heartland, it's now illegal to use something called CBD. Now, if you listen to Vitality Radio on any kind of a regular basis, or if you listened last week, you hear, you've heard about CBD, cannabidiol. It comes from the hemp plant, and so it is often confused with marijuana or medical marijuana. But the vast majority of CBD, at least the stuff that has been generally recognized as legal in this country, uh, is from the industrial hemp, which is not high enough in THC to create any kind of issues for you in terms of getting you high. In fact, you couldn't afford or take the time enough to smoke enough hemp uh, to get high because there's just hardly any THC in there. And THC is the part of marijuana that makes somebody high. However, there's this other little compound that is found in marijuana but is also found in industrial hemp called CBD. And CBD is powerful stuff, but powerful in the ways that We would want it to be powerful, powerful medicine. We've found with CBD that it helps with chronic pain. Many people, many people now are off of opiate medications because of CBD. 
We've found that it helps with chronic seizure disorders. We found that it helps with chronic anxiety and depression. Many people are off of their anxiety and depression drugs because of CBD. We've found that it helps with so many different things, everything from neuropathy to Parkinson's disease to MS and so on and so on. And the list is seriously very, very long because it works in the central nervous system and uh, it helps to balance what's called the endocannabinoid system, which is a, an actual part of the human, indoc- or, uh, sorry, the human nervous system that CBD acts directly upon. Because CBD has what are called phytocannabinoids. They are the plant version of the endocannabinoids that our body actually makes all the time. But when we're under chronic stress or have chronic pain or have certain disorders, we don't make enough of it. And so the CBD fills the gap and really makes things function at a more normal level. So what's the deal with CBD? Why would the Attorney General of Indiana outlaw it? Because that's what just happened. It just happened a couple days ago. He says it's illegal. In fact, they went and seized uh, inventory from 60 different stores in Indiana saying that, uh, you know, basically police raids going in there and taking this stuff off the shelves because it's so dangerous, right? No, it's not dangerous. And nobody even says it's dangerous. Even the attorney general doesn't say it's dangerous. He just says it's illegal. So why is it illegal? What's the deal? Because, he says, simply put, and this is a direct quote from him, cannabidiol is a Schedule One controlled substance because marijuana is a Schedule One controlled substance. Although it is a relatively new phenomenon, after thoroughly tracking the language of the Indiana law defining marijuana, it is evident that cannabidiol is now and historically has been derived from a part of the plant genus cannabis. What the heck does that mean? It means that technically, in his opinion, it's illegal. Is it unsafe? No. Is it effective? Yes. In fact, a better question is, is it safe? Not, is it unsafe? And the answer is, absolutely. It's incredibly safe. It's very rare that people will have side effects associated associated with CBD. It does happen, like pretty much anything else, but incredibly rare. I've had one ever reported to me in the two and a half years that I've sold the product. So CBD is far safer than the things that people are using pharmaceutically for the same things, pain meds or depression meds or anxiety meds or seizure meds, or Parkinson's meds. And the list, again, goes on and on and on. All of these things have far more uh, concerns associated with them than does CBD. But now he says the law states that CBD is illegal, and so we're going to go raid these places and get it out of there because why not, right? We've got nothing better to do. And the same guy... The very same guy was complaining in an op-ed piece that I also read uh, in the uh, Indiana Star, I think it's called, their newspaper there, that said that uh, he was concerned about the overreaching uh, nature of uh, the uh, national government, the federal government. And, And now he is Mr. Overreach himself. So then he says, and I think this is very interesting as well, Amid our uh, current opioid crisis, Indiana leaders should work to curtail drug abuse rather than welcoming more of it. Legalizing a gateway drug, and now he's talking about marijuana itself, such as marijuana, leads vulnerable people to worse substances such as methamphetamine and heroin. So this guy is either naive, stupid, or potentially misguided by whatever constituents got him into office. Hard to know for sure, because 
the opioid crisis is the precise reason why we need CBD and why we should seriously consider medical marijuana, but especially CBD because none of the issues that are associated with medical marijuana are also associated with CBD. You can't get high on the stuff. You just can't. And so why wouldn't we want this safe and effective natural medicine on the market? Is there a good reason? Well, I don't think so, because 80%, 80% of all new heroin users started on prescription opiates. Some theirs, some other people's. But 80%? Are you serious? So it's not that people are going out and saying, hey, get me some heroin. It's people are going out and saying, I can't get any Oxycontin. I can't get fentanyl anymore. I better go to heroin, because it's cheaper it's easier to get. It's 10 times cheaper, by the way, 10 times. It's easier to get, and I can still get that high that I am now addicted to because of these prescription drugs that I was given for pain. A hundred million, almost. Almost a hundred million people in this country were prescribed opiate meds. In 2015. So think about that number. There's only 320 million of us, roughly. So almost a third of America was prescribed an opiate drug in 2015. Would it not make sense to look into the CBD thing just a little bit more? Right? Maybe we ought to be looking at options that don't make us addicts instead of options that clearly can make us addicts. The numbers are all over the place. It may only be 1% of people that are prescribed an opiate that end up addicted to it, depending on who you ask, because some numbers go as high as 12% that I've read. But if it's 1% of 100 million, you don't have to be a mathematician to figure out that's a lot of people, right? That's a lot of people on an annual basis. And we know that every... This is another one that I see different things. I've seen anywhere from 19 to 29 minutes somebody in America is dying from an opiate overdose. So a couple people an hour. It's the other number I saw, and again, it depends on what source you're reading, but about 56 people a day. Okay? So these numbers are staggering, and here we have... Well, let me give you a personal story. So I'm at Vitality yesterday, and I have a gentleman come in. He's been on opiates for three years. Originally, I believe, from a surgery, uh, recovery from a surgery, from some sort of an injury he had. And he was coming in looking for something called Kratom, and because he had heard that Kratom might help him get off of opiates. That's his goal. I need to get off of opiates, he said. So I've heard Kratom can help, and Kratom can help, and that's a story for another day. But I also told him about CBD. I said, Kratom can actually help you get off of it in many cases, but CBD may be the long-term thing if you're still in chronic pain. And he said, yeah, I am. I still need something for pain relief, and I don't want it to be opiates. They're horrible. Now, here's someone who is clearly trying to do the right thing, clearly needs pain relief. He's a young man. I don't think he was 30. And could become a statistic if he stays on opiates. Because eventually it happens to a lot of people. Maybe a million of us a year. 
the opioid crisis is real, and idiots like Mr. Hill in Indiana are creating more issues than they're solving. He specifically mentioned the opioid crisis and then blew right through it as if somehow marijuana or CBD could possibly make the problem worse? Come on. Think with your brain. You're a lawyer. You had to pass the bar. You clearly have one. So let's figure this out, Indiana. Now, in good, the good side of the news here for the rant is that Utah, um, CBD is, is legal. It's on the shelves. It's easy to get and it's effective stuff. There are a few states now that have done what Indiana's done. There are politicians in Indiana's legislature trying to change that law. In fact, the governor himself is on board, it sounds like, with getting CBD back on the shelves. So it's this renegade attorney general is probably the problem. And these attorney generals, man, they just want to be governors. So, you know, it is what it is, but uh, this guy... Uh, needs to not be in office because he is not concerned about the citizens of Indiana as much as he's concerned about whatever it is that he's concerned about that he's not mentioning in his little op-ed pieces. All right, so there's your rant for the day. Let's see if we can get away from stuff like opiates with natural things like CBD. If you have more questions about CBD, give us a call. We're well-educated on it at Vitality, 801-292-6662. That's 801 292 6662. Okay, so I am going to cut to a break now. When I come back, we're going to talk about something else that's happened in the news that's a pretty big deal. It might raise your blood pressure, and it's all about blood pressure. If you have high blood pressure, or if you're one of those people that your doctor says is borderline, or if you love someone who is, you need to hear what I'm going to say next because they're changing a lot of stuff and you need to know what you can do about it. When we come back, my name, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. Insurgent Sports Nutrition is a brand new sports supplement company with a unique philosophy, refuse to conform. In the sports nutrition industry, one company starts something and has some success and everyone else tends to follow their lead. What you end up with is a bunch of Me Too products that don't add up to anything special. What you typically see on the market are formulas with all kinds of ingredients that look good on the label, but do very little to advance your training and performance. At Insurgents, our motto is, everything you need, nothing you don't. While many brands put the right ingredients in a product, most don't put the right dose. There are clinical trials for a reason to prove not only if an ingredient works, but also how much of that ingredient it takes to provide the desired effect. At Insurgents, we won't add an ingredient to a formula unless we can add the clinically effective dose. Our first formula is our Insurgents pre-workout. Pre-workouts nowadays are a dime a dozen. They even sell them at the big box stores. The vast majority of pre-workouts on the market are overdosed on caffeine and other stimulants, and underdosed on the stuff that actually increases your performance. Insurgents pre-workout has all of the most critical ingredients to improve endurance, strength, energy, and without the crash that comes with a megadose of stimulants. Insurgents pre-workout comes with or without caffeine and has no additional stimulants. If you want a truly effective, hype-free pre-workout that tastes great, is free of artificial colors, and absolutely does the job, Refuse to conform and join the insurgents. For more information about Insurgents Pre Workout, 
Call Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Okay, so I've got about 20 minutes, not quite that long, to talk about the primary topic of the day, which is blood pressure, also known as hypertension. Now, what's the deal with blood pressure? Why is it a big deal? Well, it's a really big deal, right? Because with blood pressure, we're talking about something that can lead to heart disease, heart attack, stroke, things like that. It's something you need to be cautious about as well. And if you have been into your doctor and he or she has said, hey, you've got high blood pressure or you're borderline, they were going off of a standard based on 140 systolic over 90 diastolic. That's your high number and your low number. So if you were over 140 and 90, you were considered high blood pressure. If you were over 130 and 80, you were considered borderline. And now the American Heart Association has decided, uh-uh, 140 and 90, too much. 130 and 80 is the new 140 and 90. So now if you're over 130 or over 80, they would consider you to have high blood pressure. What does that mean? It means people over the age of 45 in this country, 50% of us have high blood pressure now. 50%. That's a lot. Now, there's always a red flag that pops up in the back of my mind, and I bet you can guess what it is, because if you listen to Vitality Radio, you know that I'm a little bit concerned that sometimes maybe Big Pharma isn't out for our best interest. But is that what's going on here? Is it just a way to get people more medicated? I don't know. Blood pressure drugs, by and large, aren't that expensive. Uh, that being said, if you can sell them to tens of millions of more Americans, that still adds up to a lot of money, right? So maybe there's some financial stuff going on. We know that the American Heart Association and uh, pharmaceutical companies are best friends. So maybe that's a thing. Of course, when you read the articles about it, they say, no, no, this isn't about getting more people on medication. This is about people getting the help that they need so they can be healthy, and we're going to recommend natural approaches first. We're going to recommend exercise. We're going to recommend diet. We're going to recommend the things that nobody wants to do, and then we'll (laughs) we'll recommend exercise. Or, sorry, pharmaceuticals, right? Well, here's the thing with blood pressure. Sometimes it's pretty easy to get down with drugs. There are many people that one drug, Gets them right in the normal range. And sometimes, not so much. A lot of people need two or three drugs. So first, let's talk about the drug issue with blood pressure, and then let's talk about things that you can do short of drugs uh, if you're concerned about this blood pressure. And I will give you my opinion here, too, before I move any further on this 130-80 versus 140-90 thing. I believe that it is definitely healthier to be in that 130-80 or lower range. I think that is the truth. Is it dangerous to be between 130 and 140 or 80 and 90? Probably, to some degree, a little bit more dangerous. But the question is, if the answer is going to be pharmaceutical, is it more dangerous to be medicated if you're at that 130 to 180 versus the 140 to 190? That's the big question because exercise, we should all do it. It's really good for your heart. It's great for blood pressure. It's awesome for stress. It's good for so many things. And it's crazy to think that anybody would think that anything else about exercise. That being said, a lot of people with high blood pressure already exercise, and those who don't, unfortunately, oftentimes won't. 
or they'll do it for a little while and then they get back to eh, where they were, right? So we have to recognize reality, and that is, in my opinion, a lot more people are going to be on these drugs. So what happens if you end up on one of these drugs? Well, here's an interesting one. What if you're on three of them? If you're on three pharmaceuticals for blood pressure, and and let's keep this in mind as well. Let's just say that you're one of the people who's currently medicated for blood high blood pressure. You're on one drug, or maybe you're on two, and your your levels are below the 140, one, or, sorry, 140, 90. And so that's great, right? But now your doctor says, well, we ought to get you under 130 over 80. And you're sitting here at 132 over 84. So we've tried exercise. We've tried diet. We have you on two drugs. Let's put you on a third. Well, there are a lot of people on three drugs already just to get it on, get them under the 140 over 90. How many more will be on three drugs to get them over the 130 over 80? Really stumbling over these numbers here. Hypertensive individuals on three or more blood pressure medications had a stroke risk of 2.5 times higher than those unmedicated. 2.5 times higher stroke risk if you're on three or more blood pressure meds. So we have to recognize, don't we, just common sense, even though we now have you know studies to back it up, but just common sense would say that if you're on multiple drugs, you increase your risks, right? If you're on multiple drugs for the same thing like blood pressure, you increase your risk. I think it's interesting that you're increasing your risk of the very thing you're trying to prevent by being on blood pressure drugs, which is a stroke. But regardless, two and a half times higher if you're on three or more of the blood pressure meds. How about this? You're in as much trouble by the time you're on three of these medications that achieve excellent control as you are when you have hypertension and it is untreated. This is according to Dr. Howard, uh, we want to raise the issue that despite great advances in the pharmaceutical approach, relying solely on this approach is going to come at a dear price of people's lives. Okay, so that's that's from uh, the the set of studies that were um, that we came up with there that say two and a half times higher risk than being un- unmedicated and having high blood pressure. I think that's important to understand. We're not comparing them to healthy people with low blood pressure. We're talking about people with high blood pressure not on meds versus high blood pressure on three meds, you actually have a higher risk risk on the meds of the same disease or the same uh, uh, stroke risk that you're trying to avoid in the first place, right? How about this one, though? Several types of high blood pressure medications have been linked to an elevated risk for cancer. Doctors like Daniel I. Simon and James C. Fang completed an analysis of over... 60,000 patients randomly assigned to take either a placebo or a blood pressure medication known as an angiotensin receptor blocker. That's an ARB. They found that ARBs uh, are linked to an increased risk of cancer. For example, the risk of lung cancer was 25% higher among patients uh, taking ARBs than among the control subjects. These findings were published online in the Lancet uh, Journal of Oncology in July of 2010. How about this? Uh, 3,200 women over the age 65 taking short-acting calcium channel blockers, another type of high blood pressure medication, or no blood pressure drugs. They found that the women taking calcium channel blockers were twice as likely to develop breast cancer as subjects who were not taking high blood pressure medication. That study was published in the journal Cancer in October of 1997. And here's another one. In the worst-case scenario, uh, this is with... um, 
with a, uh, let's see here, if I can find the right drug, I apologize. A diuretic drugs, okay? Diuretic drugs for heart disease, or for high blood pressure, are one of the most commonly used because they get uh, some more sodium out of the of the body through the water that they push out of the body, and therefore they can lower blood pressure. And that all sounds fine, right, because we know that sodium can increase blood pressure. But in the worst-case scenario, the patient's tongue and throat can become hugely bloated, closing the airway. No medications can slow or reverse this swelling called angioedema, or angioedema. To prevent suffocation, a tube must be inserted through the patient's nose, mouth, or an incision in the throat. Maneuvers that are tougher than they appear on TV shows, it says. I've seen a number of deaths because you just can't get the tube in, said Dr. James R. Roberts, Director of Emergency Medicine at Mercy Philadelphia Hospital. Dr. Roberts recently published a letter in the American Journal of Cardiology to call attention to what he considers to be an unrecognized epidemic. He would like the Food and Drug Administration to add its most stringent alert, a black box warning to prescribing information uh, to prod doctors to warn about angioedema. While studies show less than 1% of patients will develop it, even fewer will have breathing problems. That's still a vast group because tens of millions of Americans now take the drugs for hypertension, heart disease, heart failure, stroke, diabetes, and kidney disease. So, again, we're back to that 1% number, which sounds like such a small number until you start to multiply it by tens of millions of people that are on these drugs. And if 1% of those people are experiencing this angioedema, which is life-threatening, then maybe we need to be wary of what we're doing with these drugs. And one thing that one of the things that I found interesting is it wasn't the first time you took the pill. It wasn't the second time. It wasn't the tenth time. It was any time. There are people who have that response just the first within the first few days or weeks on the on the pill uh, for blood pressure. There are people that have it literally years in and can potentially die from it. So I'm not saying that you have a this crazy inflated risk of death with blood pressure medications. There are specific uh, issues. It's only 1% of people on the diuretic drugs. It's, but if you're on three or more of these pharmaceuticals, you do have a 2.5 times higher risk. So if you're in that group that's barely hanging on to that 130 over 80 and now, or sorry, the 140 over 90, and now your doc wants to get you to 130 over 80, it could be an issue. In fact, it's really interesting. This is very controversial because a lot of doctors are speaking up and saying, whoa, wait a minute. That's not a reasonable number to even achieve with many of our patients. So there will be some debate going on about this, I'm sure, but it's an interesting thing. And the main thing, of course, with Vitality Radio is to inform you of kind of the pluses and minuses of all this stuff. And the minuses, of course, with those pharmaceuticals are the potential side effects and concerns with higher risk of other types of illnesses or even that very stroke you're trying to prevent by being on them in the first place. So what can you do? What are the things you can do? Excuse me, if you have high blood pressure and you either don't get success with the meds or they want to put you on additional meds and uh, you're doing, you know, you're doing your exercise, you're doing your diet. If you're not doing exercise and diet, please, please, please figure that out. Get your exercise in. It doesn't need to be massive. It just needs to be some good cardiovascular exercise. Even as few as three or four days a week can make a big difference in your blood pressure. So get that in because it's probably the single biggest thing. You got to exercise that heart. It is a muscle. And it responds very well to exercise. Diet is huge. 
a diet rich in omega-3 fatty acids is big. And they're going to tell you to do this just to avoid fat, avoid saturated fat, avoid high-fat foods, avoid all this fat. And that's not necessarily the case. You've got to get the good fats in. So make sure you're getting the good fats. But mainly, my experience has been that diets that are simply lower in refined foods are the ones that really pay off. Right? So less white flour, less white sugar, those types of things, and get your good healthy fats in, big for your heart. What about supplementation? Are there things that you can do? There is a supplement that's a combination of arginine and citrulline. It came about from the research done by Dr. Ignaro. I've talked about this on, on uh, the show before. Dr. Ignaro is uh, the Nobel Prize winner for medicine uh, from 1994 when he discovered nitric oxide's effect inside the human body, basically. And what he discovered that there was nitric oxide makes these little explosions of gas in the cardiovascular system. Anytime that an arginine molecule hits the endothelial wall, it explodes in this little tiny explosion, and there's thousands of these micro-explosions, and they push against the walls of the arterial system, and they help to actually uh, strengthen the vascular system by il- making it more elastic, basically younger. Because if it's more elastic, there's less cracks forming. There's less need for those cracks to be filled in with plaque. And you end up with a freer blood flow. But what's interesting about nitric oxide is it's really powerful in terms of preventing heart disease, but it's fantastic for preventing high blood pressure. And we've had lots of people that have reported amazing things with blood pressure and what can be done just by using arginine and citrulline, things that they've found. And I can't make uh, you know medical claims on that, and I certainly can't recommend that you go off of your pharmaceuticals so that you uh, go on something like this. But this one has enough research behind it, pretty big piles of research, that a lot of cardiologists now are even recommending arginine and citrulline to their patients. You should definitely look into it and specifically making sure that you're getting the right doses. There's a particular formula I really, really love that uh, has five grams of arginine and it has a gram of citrulline. It's a powder you just scoop out and put in water. It's flavored and sweet and tastes pretty good. And you take it once a day. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have a big family history of heart disease. I use it every day myself because I think it's one of the best preventative medicines you can possibly take. Really, really great stuff. And it has these great little natural side effects. And that if you take it for exercise, you can exercise harder, longer, uh, at a higher rate because it uh, increases blood flow and oxygen into the muscle tissue. It's, so that's good. It's also really good for sexual performance. A lot of people it is kind of a, people use it as kind of a natural uh, Viagra because it increases blood flow there as well. So the arginine-citrulline uh, combination is really, really cool, something to definitely be examined. How about grape seed extract? Grape seed extract is interesting. There's a specific form that comes out of France that I think is better than anything else there, out there. But there have been some studies on grapeseed extract showing that it can reduce blood pressure by 10%. That's a big deal, right? Because remember those numbers? 140 over 90 is the old standard. The new standard is 130 over 80. What's 10% of 140? It's 14, right? 10% of 90 is 9. So that gets you right there if the grapeseed extract works for you. Gets you right where you need to be, possibly just with something that's a powerful antioxidant that's has really fantastic benefits for inflammation uh, and a bunch of other things, but especially your heart and cardiovascular system. So that's something that you can use, and you definitely can use the both of those things together as well. I already mentioned omega-3. If you're not getting enough omega-3 in your diet, and most of us aren't in America, supplementing with omega-3 is a big deal. That's the fat the heart needs the most. 
And so it's a big deal. And most of the research shows for heart health specifically that you want two to 3,000 milligrams of omega-3, not fish oil, but omega-3. And that's an important distinction because most fish oil is only about 30% omega-3. So you want to get a high-potency fish oil or flaxseed can be used as well. If you're curious about how to know you're getting enough or getting a good one, uh, definitely give us a call and we can help you with that as well. And then one of the most old-school remedies of all, but it's a good one, cayenne and garlic. Now, these are so good for you in so many ways that there's really no downside to taking a good quality garlic and cayenne supplement. A lot of people think, well, garlic, I'm going to smell like a pizza. Well, maybe, but uh, there's actually the best garlic out there in terms of research is made by a company called Kyolic, and they age their garlic, and it doesn't make you stink, so it's pretty cool, and it's more effective anyway. So cayenne and garlic can be extremely helpful for the heart, cardiovascular system, circulation, but they're also great for your immune system, and they are going to help you in so many other ways as well. So those are some of the natural things you can do when you're going after blood pressure. This new standard is going to be interesting. I'll keep an eye on the debates because a lot of people on the doctor side are saying, whoa, we're going too far here, and uh, yet the American Heart Association says, nope, we got to do it. And even though it will make half of America, half of Americans over 45, now clinically hypertensive, we're going to make that the new standard anyway. So crazy stuff out there. Thankfully, we don't live in Indiana right now. Another thing to be thankful for, we can still get CBD if we want to use something natural for pain and anxiety and things like that. And more than anything, just be thankful for your family right now. Be thankful if you've got children, grandchildren, if you've got anybody in your family that you haven't told you love them recently or close friends, uh, man up and tell them. That's the way to do it. Be thankful for what we have. We have a beautiful day. Enjoy it. And go support those small businesses today on Small Business Saturday. Okay, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. One of the things I'm the most grateful for is that anybody is willing to listen to my voice on Saturday morning. So thank you so much for doing that. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. You've been listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.